the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. We're ready. 1220 KDOW presents Rob Black in Your Money. Your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and much, much more. What's on your financial mind? Mind? A lot going on today. First and foremost, I've called him creepy. I've called him weird. I've called him odd. Trust me, I'm many of those things. Finally, Zynga sees it for themselves, and they ultimately push... CEO and chairman to the role of just chairman. I kind of wish Mark Pincus would have been canned altogether, but no, he brings in Don Magic from Microsoft, which was a great hire. Zynga is flush with cash. That should help them. Because they've got a good CEO coming in who helped build the business of Xbox, and he's got a lot of cash. It's a pretty good position to be in, in my opinion. He could let go of people. They haven't built up verticals that they need to tear down. He can come up with a focus. He can acquire companies. Short term, I think that stock is a winner. Long term, I don't know. Isn't that odd that I can say that? I know, right? Sometimes you don't have to have the end-all, be-all opinion. I think the stock goes to the moon. I think tech stocks are meant to be rented, and this is a great opportunity to consider renting. But I digress. Today I will have on the air the one, the only Patrick O'Hare, Chief Market Analyst from Briefing.com. Unless for some reason I've confused my wires and he's taken off the 4th of July week, which some people do. Factory orders this morning rose 2.1%, which was in line with expectations. Got an email from a lady yesterday. Whoa, 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 she's a lady. That basically said, you know, manufacturing in the United States is going more robotic. And yeah, that's the truth. Or as Bill Murray once said, that's the fact, Jack. It's coming more back to the United States on some levels. Because energy costs have gone lower. We've found a lot of energy in the United States. Peak oil is not something anyone talks about for the time being. So, yeah, things have gone more robotic. And I see that as a good thing for capitalism. I do not see that as a good thing for a healthy economy. I think we do need some mid-level jobs to go with low-level jobs and high-level jobs that we have in the United States. Factory orders climbed 2.1% month over month in the month of May. 
This was pretty much so in line with expectations. April's reading was revised up. So, again, the Federal Reserve is seeing some activity that's positive. And that's one of the reasons they're starting to use the word taper. More than likely, they'll back off some of their tapering guidelines if weakness comes back and or if jobs don't come in. New orders for manufactured goods in the month of May increased by $9.9 billion or up 2.1%. Shipments up following two consecutive monthly decreases. Inventories up six consecutive months. That's good and bad. Inventories to shipment ratio was down to a reading of 1.3, down from a reading of 1.31. What's interesting to note about that, and I know you're saying, make up your mind, is it good or bad? You don't want inventories building too much for too long of a period of time. <clears throat> Excuse me. In large part, at some point, if you don't consume them, the factory boss is going to look around and say, Black, go punch out. We don't need you on the manufacturing line right now. Mm, But I want to earn the money for standing around doing nothing, and my sugar booger wants to go on vacation, and if I'm punched out, I can't do it. I can't pay my mortgage. I can't pay my car bill. So inventories are something you watch. You don't live and die by them. You watch them. What else do we have out there for you? Um, Onyx Pharmaceuticals is still on the watch list. Remember yesterday they said, no, 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 to a takeover bid from Amgen. Now there's news that Novartis and Pfizer, amongst several large pharmaceuticals that fabricate uh, interest in Onyx. One analyst out there today saying gold will bounce above 1400 and fall 50%. Oh, God. Right? Are you with me on that one? I don't know if you saw this, but student loan debt doubled. And that's not a good thing. One of the hangovers that we're going to wake up from this recession of 2008 is that people stayed in their jobs longer and they didn't open up a position for younger people. And because of that, younger people come out of college with debt and they're unable to pay it. Now some federal student, now some federal student loans doubled during nearly 7% on Monday this week. Millions of college students taking out new student loans this fall will see interest rates that are twice what they were in the spring. If there's one, two things, I can, if I had two fingers on a hand, I can count on one hand what I would invest in in the United States. Make me president, and this will be the only two things I, I focus on. What are those two things? Okay. Three things. One, steal everyone's underwear. Two, Cut interest rates on student loans, i.e. increase incentives for people to go to college. And three, up our infrastructure. So that's my three-point, three-tier plan. Now, if you make me mayor of San Carlos, I will invade Belmont and I will make it mine. And then after that, watch out Burlingame, San Mateo, Redwood City, Redwood Shores. One of these going down. That's my way for saying I'm going to go to Half Moon Bay. 
So not all federal student loans are impacted. Only rates on new subsidized federal Stafford loans doubled from 3.4% to 6.8%. That makes college even more unaffordable. We need bright young minds to do great things, to create jobs. Later in the show, I'm going to go over 33 stocks, 23 stocks, 13 stocks that I think are interesting to buy. We're going to talk about the economy. First quarter was a great quarter. Second quarter was a good quarter. Third quarter got off to a decent start. Could have been better. It was better. But by the end of the day, there was a little bit of a pullback, but still good. Blue chip gains faded in the afternoon. I would like to see a a transition from blue chip, utilities, telecom, more so towards healthcare, technology, financials, and discretionary. Discretionary would be a play on jobs. If we see jobs continue to slowly but surely get a little bit lower in unemployment, people have a paycheck, and the first thing we do, we spend it. Greece has been given three days to meet its bailout conditions, lest it risk not getting its next tranche of aid. I don't know if you've seen this, but things are heating up in Egypt. Hey, Sugar Booger, let's go to Egypt this summer for vacation. Okay. Rioters start shooting, tearing things up, stabbing people. You better run like hell. Anyway, uh... Yeah, so Egypt is having some issues, but so far they've settled down the people. Here, take this cookie. Okay, I'll eat a cookie for a couple minutes. But it will ruin its head again. Nextel is going to be replaced. Uh, Sprint Nextel is going to be acquired. I'll talk about that a little later. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on the Wall Street Business Network. AM 1220 KDOW traffic. This Bay Area update is brought to you by Gar... And that's uh, Bloomberg Market Minute. You talk about days. I'm talking about nighttime. When monsters call out the name. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW. Someone's going to have to explain this one to me. Explain it for me. I totally get the trend. I totally get the investment angle. I don't get dudes dressing up as women. I know you're saying, where's this story going? I'm going somewhere. Be patient. Univision, their morning show, is rocking and rolling. You might know Univision as a Spanish-speaking network. They've got a morning show called Despacreta America. Wake up, America. Their ratings have soared 28% in the last year, while NBC's Today has fallen from its perch. So it's kind of like a Cuban coffee jolt of reality that you go where the numbers are. Now, they've got the zany guy who, well, first and foremost, they've got the hot check, right? Um... Maybe I, I should speak Spanish and say they got the the uh, hot the tamale chica. I know you're saying you know no Spanish, do you? 
But if you're going to watch TV in the morning, if you're going to wake up with something that makes you laugh and feel good, Desperata's format is so friendly, people feel like it's inviting the men. NBC's Today Show has lost its perch. The trends, and all you need to do is listen to a little politics in America. You know the Republicans are going after the Spanish voter. You know the Democrats are going after the Spanish voter. You as an investor need to go after the Spanish trend. How do you do it? Is it Univision? How do you do it? Up to you to decide. Anyhow, and anyway, but also they've got the dude who dresses up as a chick. I've never understood the humor in that. You know, the guy who dresses up as the really ugly, can someone explain to me? Explain it, please? Anyhow, the S&P 500's up 6, the Dow's up 51, the Nasdaq's up 12. Joining me now, CFP Chad Burton, talk a little women in investing, the fair sex. They say man created the world, but women refined it. I didn't agree with that broad phrase, more if I tried. Women are the best things in life. But women face financial decisions that men necessarily don't. They have to approach marriage differently than a man does, the birth of a child. Let's talk birth of a child and what it does to a woman, because clearly they leave the workforce for a little while, changes their social security structure, adds a financial burden, adds a tax benefit. Yay! Is the tax benefit worth having a kid, Chad? (laughs) No. You know, in fact, some of the new tax laws in terms of who ends up paying the Medicare surcharge tax or the Obamacare, 3.8%, or the new capital gains rates, uh, when you're single, that kicks in at 400000 right? Uh, or 200000 on the 3.8% for the Obamacare tax. Uh, for the 20% capital gains and dividend tax, that kicks in at 400000 single. But when you're married, it's four, it's 250 and 450 So it's actually a bit of a marriage penalty again to be married, especially if you're in a high-income earning situation. So basically the Obamacare taxes or the, the new tax laws that were passed assume that um, only one person was working <laughs> when, when you get married and if you're a high income earner. So a little bit unfair. A tax credit for a child, about $1,000 per year. Well, it's, certain things get phased out too, Rob, for high income earners. So, Well, yeah, you and your high income earners. So. <laughs> you yeah, and your high yeah, 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 yeah. Um, There are some tax benefits for children. You have two tax advantage options. FSAs are able to save money for healthcare savings, child care deductions. It's just it's just not worth having children though. Tax benefits aren't that groovy. No, you don't look at there's, unless, there's, unless you're a really you're not going to save money by having kids. Let the inner Republican come out, Chad. Unless you're a poor person in the inner city, having more <laughs> children is a good idea. Is that your inside inner Republican voice? Um, it's tied towards welfare. Okay, and you know commentary on welfare. Uh, it is strange that you know some people believe having more children equals more tax deductions and government uh, subsidies, which is shocking and sad because that child doesn't get what he deserves. So anyhow, um, women and money, we're talking about having children, and the tax credits are really not worth it, but they're out there for you. Uh, death of a spouse. I think that's an interesting one to talk about with women. Uh, my mom's outlived my dad by 20 years. He had a life insurance policy on her, he didn't have one on himself. He let his expire. Like, death, he screwed her. He, he thought he was going to outlive her because she she's heavier than him and cancer got him. Yeah. Death of spouse, big financial issue. Well, it is because, you know, especially if you have two Social Security checks because even if one spouse didn't work, you have one Social Security check and the, the spouse 
get somewhere between you know 35 and 50 percent of the spouse that worked their check. So they have two Social Security checks. When one dies, the smaller check goes away. The larger check stays. So that's not that's a that's for a lot of the American population now, where they get 50 to 60 percent of their income or more from Social Security. That's a huge decline in income. That means that, okay, they're going to probably have to go do a reverse mortgage. They're going to have to move. They're going to have to possibly live with their kids, something else like that. So, uh, yeah, people are retiring too young these days, Rob. And that's, that's, you know, that's why we see our youth unemployment uh, rate continuing to rise because people are having to work longer. They didn't save enough. They didn't think about their future. They spent. They became consumers rather than savers. How about estate planning consequences with death of a spouse, things like step-up and basis? Is there anything we need to know? Um, well, the, it, California, which is a community property state, um, what's nice is that if you own assets you know, the right way, um, everything gets a step-up in basis on the first spouse's death. So that means that rental property that you paid 100000 for that's worth $800,000 now, you could essentially sell it tax-free. Um, the depreciation you'd have to recapture if we want to get technical about it. But, but th- when there is a death of a spouse, at least there's a reduction in having to have taxes be a major decision with your taxable assets, your real estate, things like that. So that can come all into play because a lot of times when there's a death of a spouse, if there's a loss of a pension, a loss of a Social Security check, sometimes it means a reduction in standard of living. So you might have to sell that large home and downsize. Anything else that we need to know about with this topic? Um, well, when you do have somebody that is, you know, passing or, you know, terminal or somebody has passed, then, yeah, the, the delivery trust should be redone. Um, and again, this is an issue that I think it's a women-centric issue because men tend to marry a little bit younger and women tend to outlive men. So uh, my mom's been in retirement without a spouse for 20 years. It's a long time to make her own financial planning decisions. Anyhow, and anyway, that's CFP Chad Burke. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. It's newfocusfinancial.com. I'm Rob Black. Other big stories out there today are international. Egypt stocks rose today after Morsi rebuffs the army ultimatum to basically come up with some sort of compromise. Portugal bonds hit after their finance minister quits. Austerity and the population are growing weary of it. The troika of leaders, of lenders, the IMF, the European Union, the European Central Bank of Greece, three days to come up with some uh, ideas or they risk not getting more money. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on the Wall Street Business Network. The SP 500 is up 6, the Dow up 51, the NASDAQ up 12. Home prices rise the most in seven years in the month of May. 
going to be interesting to watch how the higher interest rates in the last month on 30-year mortgages play out in the next three months. Will it be be a huge rush to buy? Or will people wait for rates to go back down? Chrysler will post its best June in six years. That's positive. There's no doubt on one hand sending people to manufacture cars is good. On the other hand, do consumers need to take on more debt? Uh, that's the world we live in. Let's bring in Patrick O'Hare. He is the chief market analyst at Briefing.com. I miss you last week, Pat. How are you doing today? Hi, Rob. I'm doing well. It's nice to be back with you. Thanks. Um, a lot happened in the last week. There seems to be that transition on Wall Street that maybe it's too obvious for me that we're kind of giving up on the yield play of big cap international companies. And we're trying to find where is that money going to go from bonds. How would you sum up what we're seeing right now? Yeah, I think uh, confusion is one word we could use. Um, you know, you got a lot of uh, we saw a lot of gyrations in the market uh, last week. Um, the volatility has picked up or picked up considerably last week, and then it trailed off at the end of the week. Um, so it's really just one of those periods. Um, I told Chad last week that you know, frankly, if someone's you know, saying you know what should I do. Um, the first answer I have is is, kind of, is do nothing here, right? Just kind of let the dust settle. Uh, we don't need to make any outlandish moves, but uh, take into account that uh, the market's uh, perspective on the level of interest rates is, is starting to shift because it's starting to realize that, you know, the Fed may not taper imminently, but we are more than likely closer to the end of that uh, extraordinary period of unconventional policy than we are to the, to the beginning of it. But with the Fed using tapering, mm-hmm. don't the Federal Reserve members, bankers, have a concept that the economy is improving? Isn't tapering really a good thing, even though it's a short-term transition thing? You know, absolutely. I mean, that that is the that's the idea behind it, right? You know, okay. that that should be the thinking is that the Fed's not going to, you know, to pull back here unless it feels confident that the economy has uh, traction and can sustain this this accelerating growth. The the problem is that the market uh, doesn't necessarily, well, I don't think anyway, isn't necessarily buying the Fed's forecasts just yet. So. Um, you know, the Fed doesn't have the best record in terms of forecasting growth here. And while the, the Fed is saying the right things, um, not so sure the market is, is believing what they're saying and, and just needs to kind of sit back and see if this data comes in as the Fed is, is projecting that it will. Um, and in that regard, you know, you've, we've had, you know, mixed mixed data since, uh, since the Fed re- uh, was out trying to calm the market down last week. And um, so the, the payroll's report on Friday is going to be, you know, again, a very important report to watch as it relates to the market's perspective on what the Fed's likely to do. I started the segment with you, Mr. O'Hare, from briefing.com, saying Chrysler, good quarter or good sales, home prices, good. I like that. Now, what are we not liking? Because those are two big pillars of our economy, housing and autos. They are, uh, and I think we've talked about that in the past, where those are clearly areas of strength right now. Um, the thing with respect to housing, of course, is that you're getting some really nice uh, numbers reported, but you know, we have to keep in mind we're also coming off of a very depressed base. 
so the rate of growth looks uh, pretty considerable, but you still have a long way to go to kind of get back to that, you know, recovery peak, if you will. Autos, same thing, but you are continuing to see unrelenting demand in the auto space, which is a good sign. Um, you know, all things considered, that's, those are positive things as they relate to uh, GDP growth prospects. Um, but at the end of the day, though, we still don't have a lot of, you know, business investment uh, activity taking place, not a strong driver there, uh, you know, non-residential investment, not the strongest point. And we're starting to see, you know, exports and imports kind of taper off here, which is a reflection of the, uh, the slower growth uh, that you've got uh, going on around the world, primarily in Europe and China. So there are, you know, clearly areas for improvement. And we're likely to now, as we get further into the third quarter here, you may start seeing a little bit more of that sequester impact kick in because it really didn't start to uh, take effect until uh, early March. And so you might have that lag effect come in to kind of, again, slow things in the second half of the year. A lot of the information that I get that I use on the show, I start pulling from briefing.com. It's the first source that I go to in the morning, as well as the Financial Times, New York Times, Wall Street Journal. But briefing kind of paints a nice picture of data and it's up to us to digest it. Egypt, they're having a uprising with their leader. Portugal's having a, a, an issue with their, their 10-year government bonds becoming more expensive to lend money. Greece is having an issue with an ultimatum on a bailout from the Troika. I pulled all that information from your site. How should I interpret that? Because I'm kind of apathetic on some of these international issues as long as the U.S. continues to move forward. You know, um, you know, it's funny you mentioned that. Uh, you know, I laugh because you know I, I wrote this morning that you know, with the, especially the ultimatum as it relates to Greece, which uh, you know we subsequently reported on our InPlay page that uh, the Greek paper there is denying that there was any such that the, you know saying that the uh, Troika denied that there was any such ultimatum offered. But let's just say there was. Uh, the market has gotten you know somewhat tone deaf to that ultimatum because it's basically been given for the last three years. It seems like so you're not hearing uh, it doesn't have the same alarmist quality that it had in years past but you know what we try to do at briefing what we I think we do very well is we keep users of the service very informed in terms of what's out there what's going on you know what are the headlines and then what we try to do as the analysts here is provide an objective analysis that helps our users determine whether it's kind of just noise or it's something to really pay attention to uh, what's going on in Greece today we think is mostly noise uh, what's happening in Egypt is something to pay attention to because you're seeing that directly translate into higher oil prices right now which could be a negative factor if those continue to rise and essentially act as a you know as a tax on consumers as we move forward in the year here. So uh, paying close attention to that area right now as oil is pushing $100 a barrel again, um, which is, you know, it's going to be good for the energy companies, but may not be so great for uh, for consumers. Speaking with Patrick O'Hare, Chief Market Analyst, Briefing.com. Let's go back to a concept that you slightly brought up, do nothing. It's the summertime, it's July, there's transition, there's more volatility. Do you really mean do nothing? Like, Let's take off four weeks. I'm not putting words. No. Yeah. No. No. And I'm glad you asked the follow-up because I mean it doesn't mean exactly. You know what I what I really mean by that is that you know look if you have systematic investment plans you know if you're dollar cost averaging in the market stick with those plans here right 
Um, but with all of the, the kind of the, the increased volatility we're seeing of late and all of the, you know, agitation surrounding what the Fed is doing right now uh, and knowing that there's a good bit of leverage, you know, that's pushing up this market, you, you, you have the potential for some, you know, unsettling dislocations every now and then. And we think during the summer period when, you know, trading conditions are, are a little bit thinner, um, there's you know, a greater chance that you see that volatility pick up. And so what we're saying is, you know, if you don't need to go in and start, you know, uh, increasing your overweight positions or, you know, decreasing the underweight positions, really. I think we should essentially stick with your systematic investment plans, but don't feel the need to put a whole lot of cash to work at this particular point in time if you have sideline cash at the ready. <laughs> Am I being dangerous in the statement that as we move through this transition, if things play out like the Fed wants it to, you probably want to be in consumer discretionary because people have jobs and will spend. You probably want to be in tech. You probably want to be in financials, and you probably want to be maybe in healthcare because of the Obamacare hitting in 2014. Am I dangerous in that? And you can be honest. Yeah, no, you know, I mean, that would fit with with the business cycle, really. You want to be, uh, you know, geared in toward those those cyclical areas. They're going to, you know, benefit from improving levels of, of, you know, economic growth. So that leads you to the industrials, to the financials, to the technology stocks, to the materials. You know, uh, in the material space, obviously, you've gotten really clobbered, of course, with the uh, concerns related to China and the impact that's had on commodity prices. But, but by and large, I mean, that is, you know, you know, a good way to think about it is that if you're buying into that forecast and you're buying into the idea that the recovery is going to accelerate, you know, the cyclical sectors are, are the spots to be watching right now and probably favoring. Uh, and conversely, you'll see those defensive-oriented sectors, the consumer staples, the utilities, telecom services, you know, those groups, they may do okay, but they're likely to, you know, to lag behind uh, some of those cyclical areas if the market does, in fact, buy into the, uh, into the growth story that the Fed is trying to sell right now. We've got about a minute and a half, Patrick. Um, your website does things on IPOs, growth stocks, value stocks, uh, big picture issues, strategy thoughts, um, trading ideas. What are you working on right now that, that our listeners should be informed of? Well, I'm, I'm going to be working on a, a, a second quarter earnings reporting period preview. Um, and what will be really curious to me is that, you know, the, the consensus forecasts are, are anemic. You know, you're looking for about 1% growth on both the top and bottom line. Those estimates have come down throughout the quarter, which is not unusual, but still, you know, we're looking at basically almost no growth. And so what I'm looking for and what I'm going to be uh, kind of throwing out there for our, our users to see, you know, what are the multinational companies saying coming out of this reporting period? Is there demand, uh, you know, that's starting to heat up? Or are they talking about the weak levels of activity in Europe and China as, you know, being limiting factors as they look at the second half of the year? Will the dollar's strength, you know, be an impediment there? Um, And so kind of want to see how things are going to break down in relation to what the multinationals are saying versus what the companies that are, you know, primarily domestically focused saying. And probably what you'll hear right now is those domestic-oriented companies doing relatively better, uh, or saying relatively better things as it relates to the outlook, as opposed to some of those multinationals that, uh, you know, have a lot of exposure abroad. Thanks very much. I would pay to listen to Patrick O'Hare talk. He's from Briefing.com, Chief Market Analyst, providing independent live market analysis on the U.S. and international markets. This Bay Area update is brought to you by Garmin, still a major traffic jam for the... Stocks are holding on to their gains from Bloomberg World Hangar. Peacefully.
listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeart Radio Station. One thing that you can... appreciate about me is that I'm honest to a flaw at times, but also I play a character which kind of confuses you. I'm not mean, I'm not cruel. I'm one in a kind that, in the sense that I don't care, so I will let the internal filter turn off. I don't care if I offend you. I want to get you to think. Tesla shares are surging as analysts raise expectations of the carmaker sales. But also there's a petition that people signed saying, hey, White House, let Tesla sell their cars online. We don't actually need a dealership. I've got mixed emotions about that. I hope you do too. You know, in the Bay Area, the San Francisco's BART strike enters day two. I've got mixed emotions about that. Employees want a 4% raise. Management's offering a 2% raise. Ronald Reagan would fire them all and they'd name a bus terminal after him. Should Jerry Brown fire them all and get a bus terminal named after him? Ronald Reagan back in the 80s fired all the striking air traffic controllers. And he got an airport named after him, which is kind of, that, my friends, is ironic. Very few things are as ironic as you would imagine, but that is ironic. Um, I don't have an answer on that. All I can tell you is that a lot of government employees, to me, are slow. Or they're perceived by the public to be slow. Not very engaged, not very friendly. Now again, for me to make a, a swath of a generic statement like that, I will get some backlash. I know that. But to be honest with you, I, I think I'm summing up America. We don't look at the DMV as, you know, happy-go-lucky. We don't look at bus drivers necessarily as happy-go-lucky. And again, they save our lives. They protect us. They've got a pretty big job ahead of them. They have to deal with a lot of crazy people. So Bart's in the news. Do I want them to get a 4% raise? No. Most Americans didn't get a 4% raise last year. Do I want them to get a 2% raise? I don't know. So understand that there's no right answers. There's just debates. Today we see home prices rose by the most in seven years. It's great if you own a house. It's not so great if you don't own a house, right? So you see how it's a double-edged sword. There's no right answer. Maybe it's not a double-edged sword in any way, shape, or form. Maybe it is. Home prices racked up their biggest annual gain in more than seven years, according to CoreLogic. Prices rose 2.6% from April and were up 12.2% compared to May. Now, if Bart's asking for a 2% to 4% raise, and home prices are going up 12%, who's going to afford that house? That's the problem. If you own that house, you own a gold mine as a rental. If you own that house, you have a problem as far as future appreciation. Across the country, pent-up demand and continued low interest rates are fueling strong demand. Now, what's going to be interesting about that is interest rates have jumped. Go take a look at the 30-year mortgage. Some are going as high as 5% now, whereas a month and a half ago, a month ago, 3.5%. It's been fast and furious, and I'm not talking 
Vin Diesel. Which, for the record, what a great, great movie, Saving Private Ryan. I know you're saying it was violent, but Vin Diesel's great in it. If you look at the the, uh, cast of that movie, stunning where they've all come and gone to. It was an interesting movie because anytime you did something very liberal, you got punished. Anytime you did something very Republican, you got rewarded. So Vin Diesel decides, hey, there's a crying girl. I'm going to go help her. I'm going to save her. We're going to take her family into the rescue point. Bam! Shot to the head. Time and time again, that movie reminded you, be a little bit more conservative out there. You're saying, Rob, it's been almost an hour, and I don't think you've mentioned the market numbers once. Honestly, I don't care about market numbers. It's you, the freak, who cares about market numbers. I care that Pierce Brosnan's daughter died at age 41 of ovarian cancer, and her mother died similar age of ovarian cancer. How is that possible? S&P 500 is up 8, NASDAQ up 15, Dow up 66, 10-year Treasury is 2.4%. Gold sits at 1249 an ounce. Gold got routed. I went on vacation, a little holiday, a little downtime, a little soak in the sun, a little ride the wave, and gold got schwacked while I was gone. I think you're saying schwack's not, schwack's not a word. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. Strong June sales for GM, Ford, and Chrysler. Hmm. Student loan rates doubling without Congress's action. Yep, they let that happen. Should we vote them all out? I think we should. I'm neither Republican nor Democrat. I think we need to say you need to get your priorities straight. Again, I'm not a student. I didn't sign that student loan, but yet I know that we should have a system that rewards students. Long-term care... Yeah, a little bit too much there. Long-term care insurance leaves customers groping. I know you're saying groping. I thought that was something else. But a lot of people got hit with increases on their long-term care policies in the last year. I saw today that the second biggest or the largest insurer and the second biggest insurer left the state of California based on Obamacare. There are some things that are called unintended consequences. And there are some things that you don't expect. You know, Unum Group raising your premium by 25%. One, uh, Unum being an insurance company on long-term care policies. John Hancock raised the premium on a 10-year-old policy 77%. So you sign a piece of paper thinking it well, this is what I'm going to be paying. But you don't read the details that it can go up. That stinks. You're listening to me, Roberto Negro, Edoleros, trying to appeal to my Spanish listeners. Arriba, arriba. Um, That's all I got. Hour one is in the books. Probably the greatest hour of radio of all time. It's being sent right now to the Smithsonian Institute of great radio shows of all time. I'm Rob Black. The Expert Radio Network is proud to present The Banker's Code. This Inc. 500 award-winning educational company will teach you... AM 1220 KDOW. His mysteries have been studied through the... This is Dan Tullis, and I just called... 
point of select one eight hundred nine one four two nine nine five. Or go to Linda Vance and I have a sure way to create a series. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. The Wall Street Business Network presents Rob Black and Your Money, your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finances, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800 516 1220. So call in, we'll chat, and uh, have some fun. Now, to start your day with the latest news and market commentary, here's Rob Black on the Wall Street Business Network. Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and much, much more. Today is one of the days where auto sales gets reported. And two of the big boys, GM and Ford, reported better than expected sales. I pulled up a chart of how the autos are doing. And GM's up 18% for the year. Keep in mind, we just got through the first half of the year. And small cap companies up 15%. SP 500 up 13 Dow up 12 to 13 Oops, wasn't ready for those market numbers. Um, give me a second, and I'll get back to the autos. But So, GM up 18%, Ford up 22%, beating the overall markets, right? The Dow is up 62 today, NASDAQ up 14, SP500 up 7. What's interesting is, let's forget the first six months of the year on the Dow, the S&P 500, the NASDAQ, and the Russell. Let's keep in mind that we're talking about a sector here, autos. Ford U.S. Lights vehicle sales up 13%. GM, Chrysler, all reported better than expected. Tesla shares up 20% in the last five days. Since January, it's gone from 35 to 117, up 246%. I own no shares of Tesla. Do I wish I did? Hell yeah, I do. Does it fit my criteria to own? Not a chance. Manufactures cars. It gets a large subsidy for manufacturing zero-emission vehicles. It's not making money selling the cars. It's making money from these zero-emission subsidies that they sell to other companies that want to pollute the planet, and they make a good dollar off of it. Long story short, Tesla, one analyst today is upping their expectations on Tesla. Um, with two hours left in trading yesterday, an analyst came out and said, you know, I'm upgrading the stock. She said that the upstart automakers captured 9% of the U.S. full-size luxury sedan market. Holy shnikes, I didn't expect it was that big of a number. I got followed the other day by a Tesla. I looked up in my rearview mirror of my honeymobile, 
And uh, it was a beautiful car. And for the first time in my life, I wanted a car. I've never been enamored with vehicles. I've never seen a Ford and gone, my good God, that car's dynamic and wonderful looking. I've never looked at a Chrysler K car and gone, I need this, Lee Iacocca, thank you. But for the first time I looked up at Tess in the car behind me, I'm like, ooh. I don't really am in love with a BMW or a Mercedes or an Audi or Porsche. Guys that drive white Porsches, check your man card at the door. Tesla's been selling its sport electric car for just about a year. The price starts at $62,000. It climbs to well over $100,000 if you get a larger battery that extends the vehicle's range. That, to me, is egregious. That's always been my kicker, like, ah. But give Tesla credit. They're defying the odds at this point in time. Does it end badly? Anytime you have a growth stock that climbs and climbs and climbs, you eventually fall in love with it. At one point in time, she's your girl. You are doing great little Tesla, 30, 40, 40, 50, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, $100 a share, 110, 115. I want to marry you. And that's when everything goes astray. In my experience, every time I've gotten to that point of marriage, the love life, the romance, the hot dates, the romantic dates, kind of starts to fizzle. Same thing could happen with a stock, believe it or not. You saw it happen with Apple. 100, 120, 140, 180, 200. Oh, Steve Jobs died. Who cares? 200, 250, 300, 350, 400, 500, 600, 700. I love you. Oh, my. It can happen on a stock. Same thing with Google's big run after IPO. Now, they got back up and made us fall in love again. I'm falling even more in love with you. Uh, home sales, home prices, home prices, not sales. Get it correct, black. Prices rose 2.6% month over month, up 12.2% year over year. Excluding distressed properties, prices up 11.6% on a yearly basis. The recovery in the housing sector has gained momentum this year. Tight inventories, low rates. Rates have recently jumped. It'll be interesting to see how that plays into this formula. But wages, and again, I bring up the BART Bay Area Rapid Transit strike, they're looking for a 2 to 4% increase in wages. And when you see home prices go up 12.2%, affordability goes down. Time now is to look at rentals as affordability has gone down on buying homes. A couple months ago, it was very affordable to buy a home. You still had depressed prices from 2008, 2006-2008 levels, depending on what market you were in. You also had low interest rates. Um, you know, I bought my last house in 2000. Let me think here, 2007, 2008, when people were giving them away. Now everyone wants them. A little bit tougher to play that game. Homie, don't play that game. Anyhow, Fed approves some new capital rules today. This is big news in large part. Our banks are a little bit better off than European banks. We're a little bit tighter as far as some of the rules that we've proposed. European banks have always had a weird tie towards governments, and they've sometimes been taken over by governments in bailouts. 
U.S. banks have less tie to governments, but you could kind of say that maybe, maybe not. That's true to this day. Oh, my. So Lone Ranger's getting panned. Does that hurt Disney stock? I don't know. If I was that kind of smart, I'd probably have my own religion. The Church of Stock Picking Rob Black. I don't know if Disney's going to get hit. I can tell you that under the CEO, Bob Iger, don't call me Robert, the stock is up 28% this year. It's tripled since he took over. Keep in mind, the markets are up 12, 14, 15% this year, and he's up 28%, thumping the markets. But yeah, he uh, signed a contract to stay for another year. He made $70 million last year. $70 million. And you're like, that's egregious. Mark Pincus pulls in hundreds of millions of dollars of an IPO on Zynga. Takes the stock from 16 all the way down to pennies. Never got to pennies, but got to $2. He basically kills the company. At one point in time, they were more expensive than electronic arts. He loses hundreds of millions and billions of dollars for shareholders. He steps aside and becomes chairman. And people are like, good for you. Good for you. Boy, boy, we're going to rally your stock up. So not only does he make hundreds of millions, he loses billions for shareholders. He should be investigated by the SEC. My opinion on Bob Iger, he should be made president of the United States for what he's done at Disney. CEO is different like Golden Clay. You're listening to Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black. Talking all things financial, money, invest in retirement, and much, much more. Find me online at robblack.com. This Bay Area update is brought to you by Garmin. Still a major traffic jam for those of you headed into San Francisco. Using the Bay Bridge approach, it's been fun. Visit me at BayAreaLoneSource.com. CalDRE 01013947. Use Exxon and Mobile. Stocks advance as Treasuries. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW. I am Jones and poor donut. I can't do it. I could invest in the stock Dunkin' Donuts. They're basically going to expand aggressively on the West Coast. Americans have a love affair with donuts. And by love affair, I do mean love affair. They own more than just Dunkin' Donuts. I Jones for Starbucks. Starbucks came out with a vague, not vague, but a new announcement with a new product. You know what? I like both these companies. 
Because Americans love donuts, and Americans love coffee. I know you're saying, is it that simple? Really? Sometimes it is. Now, would I buy both of these companies? Maybe, maybe not. Maybe I need a, a more dependable company like a Starbucks. Maybe I need a more growthy company like a Dunkin' Donuts. I know you're saying, growthy is not a word. Your 8th grade English teacher is going to come and slap you for saying that. Fine, bring her on. But Starbucks introduced a new drink called the Cold Foam Mocha. It's now available at some of its Nashville locations. I know you're saying, people in Nashville drink mochas? Nashville's a pretty cool city. If I were young, I'd consider Nashville, I'd consider Denver, I'd consider Austin, I'd consider Raleigh. I would consider Oklahoma City if I can get over my fear of people without teeth. But for toothophobia, it owns me. Let's take a look at the market numbers. So again, what I was trying to say there about Dunkin' Donuts, there's no right stock for everyone. It depends on what you need. Know that. Um, what do we have? The SP 500 is up eight. The Dow is up 69. The Nasdaq up 15. Joining me now, CFP Chad Burton. We know that estate plan laws change on a regular basis. High income got hit a little bit in the 2012-2013 changes. How will that affect what the high income gives to charity? CFP Chad Burton, New Focus Financial. What's your thoughts? Well, you know, I think all in all, in terms of charity, any kind of a tax increase tends to hurt charitable contributions. Right. Um, it just takes more out of people's pocket when a tax increase goes up. So charities don't like to see that type of a tax increase. Um, we did get an extension of one thing that's actually a, a pretty good deal for people that have higher net worth, worth. And you have, let's say you're a person, you've got plenty of assets to live and you give on a regular basis, and you hit 70 and a half, and you're forced to pull money out of your IRAs, and you don't really need it to live. You're going to leave it to your favorite charity or your kids. Well, one of the things you can do through 2013 is you can take your minimum required distribution up to $100,000 and give it directly to charity and avoid paying taxes on it. In the past, there used to be complicated amounts in terms of how much you could write off, but they, the IRS through 2013 allows you to deduct that you uh, you know get his taxable income to turn around and deduct 100% of it right away as long as it goes directly to charity. So that's one good thing. But some of the high income earners, so really who got hit with the tax increases, you know January 1st 2013 is people that mostly make over 450,000 filing jointly or 400,000 single. People that make over 250, they have a, a slight increase in their um, uh, dividends and capital gains. Uh, taxes, yep. um, but they're still at the 15% bracket. There's a 3.8% increase, but really, who can benefit? Wealthy people that make over 450, it really, I think, will cause the use again of what's called charitable remainder trusts, which are some of. It's one of my favorite planning techniques because everybody wins except for the IRS. So that'll, let me get, cha- that'll change. No, I, I don't think it will. I think really? this will be around for a long time, just because it. it, it benefits charity so much, and it doesn't really take a, a lot out of the government's pocket. So let's say you're 60 years old, and you've got a bunch of low basis stock, and you want to sell 500000 of this stock, essentially as a zero-cost basis. Maybe you were an early investor. Maybe it was ESPPs or options that you got from where you used to work, and it's rallied a lot. So you've got 500000 You really want to sell it and you know 
start income producing from that asset. But in California, if you're a high income earner and you've got $500,000 of capital gains, you're going to pay about $169,000 in taxes, right? If it's a gain of that much. So what you could do instead is you could pick your favorite charity that you want to have benefit after you die. And you can create a charitable remainder trust. So once you create the trust, you have an attorney drafted up, you create it, it's irrevocable. Um, and then you open a brokerage account in the name of that trust and you transfer the shares in kind into that trust. And you're going to get a largest tax deduction depending on your age and how much you say you're going to pull out each year. So that could be around 110000 bucks, for example, depending on how you set it up. And you can use that deduction up over five years. So really what that could do is that gift of 500000 into a charitable remainder trust could create about a $49,000 tax benefit. We can reduce your tax liability over five years by about 49000 And once that stock, Rob, is in the trust, you can turn around and sell it and re-diversify your portfolio without any current capital gains taxes because the trust is shielded from that original sale of that assets. And then you can take income for life. And let's say that's 6% or thirty grand a year. Um, so you're able to sell it without a big capital gain state. You get a large tax deduction and income for life. Um, and then your charity wins after you pass away. The only thing you have to do is make sure that you want to benefit your kids. So there's a, another step that you have to take. Um, and this is one area where life insurance comes into play in planning, and um, it, it's called an irrevocable life insurance trust. So what you've just done is you win because you get income for life, and you get a large tax deduction. Right. Your charity wins because they're going to get what's left over in that trust when you pass away. So what you have to do to replace that for your heirs is you set up another trust called an irrevocable life insurance trust, and you take some of that $30,000 a year of income that you have, and buy a $500,000 life insurance policy that's held in the trust, and then the kids get that completely tax-free. So the only person that's, the only entity that's out of the picture is Uncle Sam. They don't get, you know, they don't get the estate tax when you die. They don't get that initial huge capital gains tax, and you get a tax deduction, which essentially helps pay for the life insurance. So it's a great estate planning tool if you are wanting to benefit a charity, you're a high-income earner, and, um, and you need to get rid of some low basis stock, for example. I like it. It's an evolution. As tax laws change, you have to evolve with the times, see what's available. That was CFP Chad Burton talking a little about higher income plays with estate planning and helping charities so that they get theirs and everyone's pleased with the outcome. It's Rob Black and Your Money on the Wall Street Business Network. You can find me online at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. Twitter, Rob Black Show. YouTube, Rob Black Show. Much, much, much more. Don't be shy. Stay in touch. Get in touch with me. Be part of the show by calling the show, 800-516-1220. I seriously am disappointed by the lack of calls the show gets as people wait to hear what I'm going to say. Come on. You're better than that. 800-516-1220. And your money on AM twelve twenty KBOW and iHeart Radio Station. 
Welcome back in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. I do my best to make this show entertaining, informative, counterculture, non-conventional wisdom. Sometimes I fail. Third quarter got off to a decent start yesterday. First two quarters were great. Fourth quarter of last year, great. This is too good to be true. If it was this easy all the time, it would be lovely. Today we're seeing strength in energy, financials, and utilities. Energy and financials make sense. Utilities, not so much. I'll look for the story. I'll try to figure out why utilities are doing good. SP 500 up 6, the Dow's up 58. The Nasdaq's up 12. It's a very nice day. Ten-year Treasury sits just under 2.5%. It's stabilized after a big move. Stabilized for a couple days is not the same as stabilizing for months. Will we fill some of that gap up that we had? We never know. It's so interesting to note that I like Bill Gross. I think he's a great bond explainer of information about bonds. He's a spokesperson for PIMCO. He's a bond manager. He's wrong a lot. So turning to gurus is not the right thing to do, in my opinion. Learning how to do this yourself is the right thing to do. Best thing most people could do is maximize their 401k, 403 b 457 Every two weeks. I do it. I hate it. I wish I had extra cash in my pocket. But you know what? When I'm 65, 70, 75, 80, if I make it that far, I'll be thrilled that I did it. If I didn't do it, I'm going to be living in poverty in those years. A lot of young people think they're going to get inheritances from their parents, only to find out parents live longer than expected. And aging is expensive because all you do is draw down on that inheritance or draw down on that asset. I'll be honest with you. I should probably be more up to speed with, you know, the Affordable Care Act or Obamacare. There's things where you are going to miss. Americans are eating fewer hot dogs, not because they're horrific food. Because the cost of beef is up. What was once a staple of this is cheap, it's now a little bit more expensive. NBC has bought the rights to the Bible sequel, and it's built an audience. I love that headline. The Bible's making a jump from cable to network TV. As Comcast NBC said, it has struck a deal for a sequel to history's surprise big hit this spring. History channels. NBC's version will be titled A.D., Beyond the Bible. It'll pick up after Christ's death, though after that, we don't know what's going to happen. I find that headline intriguing. The sequel of the Bible, like Bible Part 2. Aliens come to Earth. It's just, that's the cynical in me, right? Now, I know there's plenty of stories there, but... The 10-hour miniseries, the Bible, was a huge hit. You may be religious, you may not be religious. You may be Christian, you may not be Christian. 
But I think it's fair to say this country of ours is made up of a lot of different people. Mark Burnett, ye of Survivor, produced that miniseries. $22 million production. It did incredibly well. The Bible premiere, when it came on the uh, History Channel, it would have been the fourth most watched program on TV that week. So, I don't know. Is there a story here that deserves a little bit more attention? I think there is. You know, I, one of the things I brought up in the first hour that I'll bring up in the second hour is Univision has got a zany morning show. And by zany, it's Desperata America. Ratings are up huge, up 28% year over year. You turn on the news and immigration in Arizona and immigration reform and Republicans and Democrats. We want your votes. We'll say whatever we can to get your votes. Come to America and I'll give you a bag of gold if you vote for me. Don't leave America and I'll give you a bag of gold if you vote for me. What's important to note about this is you can't look at the zany Mexican television that we've seen imported. Where, like, why is that guy in a clown outfit next to this super hot chick? And what's that guy doing dressing up as a woman? That zany format's picking up. Ann Curry, you ruined the Today Show. Um, NBC, Comcast. Their ratings are down. And yet the ratings of Disparate America... It's the third most watched morning show behind Good Morning American KTLA TV uh, Channel 5's newscast in L.A. And it's huge with 18 to 49-year-olds, which is what advertisers want. Advertising revenue up 52%. So if it's me and I hear a story like this, I'm going, wow, I want some of that. As an investor. Now, I'm not going to get into the Republican. I'm not going to get into the Democrat. I'm not going to get into immigration. That's not my show. There's another show like that for you. You'll find it. You don't want me to tell you how to think politically. You want me to highlight some things uh, investment-wise. You get where I'm going out with this. So whether it's the Bible Part 2 or Spanish-speaking programming, these trends show you where the investment dollars are going. Disney is delaying their CEO exodus. Bob Iger has run the company now to the point it's tripled under his tenure. He's got a record of success. Who's going to replace him? The person that leads the parks? The person that leads the movies? So either the company doesn't believe that its current CEO candidates are ready, or it doesn't want Iger to step down. Stock's up 28% this year, up 300% since Iger took over. So they extend his contract another year. He's 62 years old, and he's now going to retire maybe in 2016. I hope they freeze his body and keep as long as possible. A lot like they did with Walt Disney. There's a rumor that Walt Disney's been frozen and kept in Cinderella's, Cinderella's castle. I believe that rumor. Um, so, it was interesting, Mark Dannon, who works at Channel 4 Cron with me, he's like, did you see the pay package the Iger got? $70 million. That's too much. He must be the happiest man in the world. That's a play on Disney's happiest place in the world. 
And I'm like, he's tripled the stock price. He's earned it. Now, again, at that point in time, let's argue. You know, I saw someone like Pincus over at Zynga pull out hundreds of millions of dollars, lose billions of dollars in market cap, and people don't want his head on a spike. Head on a spike. Head on a spike. We should go back to those days, right? (laughs) Probably not. Home prices rose the most in seven years in May. Great if you own. Horrible if you're looking to own. There's no right answers when it comes to investing. I will say it again and again and again and again. There's no right answers when it comes to investing. When it comes to economics, there's no right answers. There's just compromises. So I think the SP 500 is going to stay above 1500. I can't guarantee that. I can point out some stocks that I really like. I have a list that I'm looking at right now, like Ralph Lauren. Ralph Lauren. Now the shares have been on a tear this year. Pullback. I'm more interested. VF Corp. They make North Face. They've been upping their earnings per share growth 13% year over year. Earlier in the show, we heard Patrick O'Hare say there's not going to be a lot of earnings growth this quarter. Right? So I look at things that are beating what we're expecting. If GDP grows 2 to 4%, if earnings are expected to be 2 to 4%, I'm looking for anything that's growing faster. So... I can go after a Baker Hughes that's seen earnings per share growth of 6% and go, you know what, that's good enough for me. It beats what we're seeing in the markets. Or I could look at a Cameron International, and again, Baker Hughes, big oil field services company. Or I could look at a Cameron International, which is oil equipment, and seeing their earnings grow at 19%. Good enough for me. I will always have a shopping list, whether it be Halliburton, Schlumberger, Morgan Stanley, Goldman Sachs, Fifth Third Bank Corp. You know, Wells Fargo was recently downgraded as a stock. But Wells Fargo is up 40% for the year. So who else looks like Wells Fargo? Like, if I got to cast a hot blonde with a skinny body for movies this year, or I want the Megan Fox look like. If Wells Fargo is Megan Fox, who's look like? It's Fifth Third Bank Corp. Similar. PNC Financial. Similar. I don't want to go to commercial. Let me do the show forever and ever. I don't want to die. You're following me, Roberto Negro. Follow me online at robblack.com. Twitter, Rob Black Show. YouTube, Rob Black Show. Got a seminar coming up. It's free in Marin in early August. Go check it out at robblack.com. Don't underestimate me. Don't underestimate me and assume that just because I say some goofy things that I can't be of help to you. I do a little hit every day on Channel 4 Chron at 645, 915, 545 p.m. So I start early, I stay up late. I try to get a spin that is fresh for you. The Federal Reserve is going to move forward with some Basel III capital rules. 
Companies that are going to be affected. Citigroup, J.P. Morgan, Goldman Sachs, Morgan Stanley, Bank of America, and more. The Federal Reserve was set to vote to approach a proposal to implement a global agreement on bank capital buffers, known as Basel III. It's a measure that would establish limits on a big bank's capital distributions and bonus payments if the institution doesn't have certain commodity equity buffers in place. The rules are a reaction to the 2008 financial crisis. Roughly, there's 100 banks that will have to raise roughly $4.5 billion in capital by 2019. That makes our banks safer. Keep in mind, our banks had a problem in 1989-92, which led to a great ripping and roaring 92-2000 to 2000 in bank returns. Flash forward, what, 18, 20 years? We have another financial crisis. I'm not expecting similar results, but I am saying... There's some history here to think about. Mark Pincus, who runs Zynga, he steps aside as CEO. He's one of the founders. Stole $100 million from the company. No, no. Got $100 million in compensation. Plus. Steps aside. Groupon's Andrew Mason, founder, CEO, steps aside after making a couple hundred million. Groupon went higher after founder steps aside. Okay. So founder, Web 2.0 company, stock did better after founder steps aside. Electronic Arts, John Donahoe, steps aside as CEO, stock did well. Established company, 30-plus year video game maker, stock did well after he stepped aside. I'm going to extrapolate this, too, and say, could Zynga do better now that Pincus is gone? Founder, company. And uh video game company bringing in a gamer. Matrick. I think you saying Matrick. Don Matrick from uh, Microsoft who helped push the Xbox 360 into our homes. Singh's got a lot of cash. Matrick's got a lot of experience. He founded out game startup company at age 17. He's in his 40s, late 40s right now. So, Zinka's doing a rite of passage by, you know, cutting the founder and coming up with someone who's a little bit more experienced. Matrick not only founded a game company when he was 17, he sold it to Electronic Arts in 1991. He stayed with Electronic Arts for 17 years, 14 years. He's got a strong... Background in mobile games? Nope. So he, that's his biggest problem, in my opinion. There's a lot of mega hits in mobile. Some months I'm playing Angry Birds. Some months I'm playing Candy Crush. Some months I'm playing, you know, baseball. I'm not so sure Don's the guy. You need a hit. You don't need a great leader. But we'll see. Again, I'm just extrapolating a little bit for you. And maybe that's not fair for me to do. So Disney extends Bob Iger's tenure. That's nice to see. Starbucks. I haven't hit this hard enough. They're introducing a cold foam mocha. Did they just introduce, like, uh, pomegranate teas? And didn't they just... Le Boulange? Don't they own Tivana? Starbucks strong company. A company called A. Shulman, the maker of plastic compounds, lowered its outlook for the fiscal year because of inconsistent orders from European markets. We're 
hitting earnings season right now. And I'm not expecting it to be glorious. We've seen a lot of volatility recently with interest rates. And that's going to affect consumer psyche as well as business psyche. So during earnings season, it may be a buying opportunity. It may not. I'm expecting the second half of the year to be better than the first half of the year. That's all I got for you. Oh, good golly. Anything else that I have to hit? Tesla got an upgrade to about $120 a share. Actually, $130. From Jeffrey's analyst, Lane Kui. I did not know this, but Tesla's captured 9% of the U.S. full-size luxury sedan market. It's one of the best growth stories in the market. I recently saw one. I'm in love. Tribune's buying 19 local TV stations. A company that struggles with paper newspapers, getting more into broadcasting. Local's tough to replicate. Since it emerged from bankruptcy six months ago, the company's been seeking to sell some or all of its newspapers, including the Chicago Tribune and the Los Angeles Times. Interesting, right? A lot of international drama. Egypt, Portugal, Greece. Consolation brands and alcohol investment of sin. Profit fell to $52 million from $72 million. Revenue rose, though. 4% increase in wine and spirit sales. Year-to-date, GM's up 18% in stock price. Ford up 22%. Tesla up 246%. <laughs> Humbling, right? Ford's rolling over in his grave right now. Like, how did I come up with this electric car idea? Oh, yeah, I'm dead. You're Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black. I'm going to take a couple hours off. I'll be back tomorrow. You can find me online at robblack.com. Twitter, Rob Black Show. YouTube, Rob Black Show. Take care. Have a good day. Talk to you soon. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.